And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is a surprise. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. There is no surprise who our featured guest is tonight. It is the fourth interview we have with Dr. Ron Paul. This gentleman is a legend, and he is a hero of mine. And let me explain to you a couple reasons why he's one of my heroes. Number one, he is somebody who has done so much for the cause of liberty, so much for the cause of freedom, raising awareness of freedom, reminding millions of people why liberty is worth fighting for. And he has done this and stood in this fight, often at times when the whole world was against him. There were times when he was running for president and he would be on stage and every other candidate would be mocking him in some way or looking at him or looking down on him because of his stances on peace. And that should tell you where the world was going or where the world is headed. And he stood strong. He never wavered. And... In his time in Congress, he never wavered on a lot of his founding principles, which were about liberty, which were about taxes. I mean, Ron Paul is extremely rare. He's extremely rare for a politician or a leader. He's also an exceptionally rare human being. All these qualities that he has, I think they're things that I personally aspire to. I think they're qualities that all of us can aspire to. Because as of right now, he should be on a beach. He should be on a beach, having martinis, relaxing. But every day he is out fighting, doing his liberty report, raising awareness of issues, inspiring others. I think it's so admirable. One of the things that Dr. Paul touches upon in our interview today is about morality and the moral values a society has. You know, I've been searching for so long, and I know you can probably sense it or feel it, but I'm trying to find the answers about why things are going the way they're going. Is there hope? Can we turn the situation around? Can we find liberty and peace? And I think Dr. Paul puts out a big piece of the puzzle, or reveals a big piece of the puzzle, and that the level of freedom or tyranny a society experiences is based on the moral values. And right now... It never really dawned on me, but maybe there are a lot of people that are immoral, that don't have compassion, that don't have kindness. I mean, if you have people that are willing to have government lock up their fellow neighbors to infringe their will upon them, that's not moral. That is pretty damn immoral. It's awful. The founding principle of liberty is peace. It's compassion. It's do no harm. You don't see many people out there having it. 
However, finding other people that do, uniting with other people that do, I believe that those are the people that will probably experience great levels of freedom. Most individuals who I come across that are very pro-freedom seem to be very kind and compassionate. And again, Dr. Paul touches upon that in today's program, but he also touches upon the idea that moral values, spiritual development, these are all crucial components of hope and finding a free society that we all can hope for. Let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is a man who needs no introduction, but will provide one anyway. Dr. Ron Paul has served 12 terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's a three-time candidate for president. He's also the founder of the Modern Day Liberty Movement. You can go to two different websites for Dr. Paul. One of them is called ronpaullibertyreport.com. The other one is called the ronpaullinstitute.org. And I implore each and every one of you, if you can, please make a donation to his organization because he's doing everything possible to promote freedom and peace. And every day he does a wonderful show called the Ron Paul Liberty Report with Daniel McAdams and Chris Rossini. Dr. Paul, it is an honor to welcome you back to our show. Thank you for being with us today. Good. Good to be with you, Ron. Thank you. Dr. Paul, on your show on July 3rd, I was finding it really interesting that you were alluding to the idea that a reason why so many Americans are behaving so viciously towards each other and even themselves is because of a self-esteem crisis, that maybe they're not feeling good about themselves. And I was wondering what you think the cause of this potential self-esteem crisis is and if you think that deep down inside Americans are willingly going along with tyranny because they, they feel like they deserve it for betraying the principles of their nation and dishonoring others who sacrifice their lives for liberty. Do you think that on a subconscious level they know that what they're doing is wrong? I, I think it's, that's part of it. I think there's a, probably a lot of causes for it. A lot of things contribute to it. Uh, I think that if you try to narrow it down to one of the very, very important things, I think it's the breakdown of the family because I think it's parents that give kids self-esteem and encouragement, how we encourage them and, and uh, support them. And if you look at statistics uh, around the country on who gets into trouble, it's the ones that have uh, not uh, a nuclear family. They have single-parent families, and uh, they don't go to school, and it just one thing adds on to another. And yet at times you see some people, uh, uh, you know, uh, are able to survive it all. But it's interesting, the few people who live under those conditions that survive it and are very productive uh, can do it with a single parent, but it's rare, but it's usually that one parent that fulfills the role. But I think the family has has a lot to, a lot to do with it. But, you know, I think of this issue of self-esteem so much because, uh, you, you know, as Christians were taught, uh, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And they, they, the assumption there is made that nobody wants to have anybody do anything to you. But what if you have total loss of esteem? But what, what, what if instead of uh, looking to the problem that you get depressed and you turn it into hatred and you become very aggressive and they really hate themselves, but then they get involved because they really don't care. I often wonder, how about these people that rob a store for $20 and then somebody's lying on the floor and they just fill them with bullets? They, they can't have any sense of self-respect uh so it's 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 that that 
that makes the difference that people go out and do it. But in a way, you don't, you, you know, they, they say, well, uh, treat me as I want to be treated. Well, they already don't want to be treated decently. <laughs> And I think that builds on itself, and it's just a it's a climate of discomfort uh, that uh, you know the founders recognized this. They said this uh, this constitution was a great idea, but let me tell you, <laughs> Adam said if if uh, you don't have a moral moral people, this won't work. And I think uh, the morality. I'm doing a little bit of work on this right now. You know, from the '60s on, the general morality. Uh, has has not exactly uh, been high class since the 60s. It's deteriorated, and there's been a lot of that. You know, that was, I remember the 60s very well, you know, with Vietnam, and I was drafted, and then I went to the residency, and they were against the law. They were doing abortions, and, and you know, this whole thing. So I would say that has all added up to uh, an immoral society, and, uh and and that that I think starts with this uh, thing that you picked up on is is the self esteem. People have to believe they're important. Of course, uh, a Christian should understand that that we're all important, uh, regardless of what what it seems to be superficially, and uh, you know what the social status is or the income status. That uh, we're all important, uh, both spiritually uh, and legally, we should be anyway. I remember you've talked about in debates before the golden rule, and it's, it's universal. And Dr. Paul, on your show, I love uh, watching you interact with Chris Rizzini, and I also enjoy his articles, too. And one of his recent articles really struck a nerve with me. It was called The Cat- Catastrophe of Sacrificing Liberty. And one of the lines that Chris uses is that it is impossible to sacrifice your liberty and think that everything will turn out okay. And it seems that today, for some reason in America, There are so many people that are willingly surrendering their civil rights for the illusion of safety uh, for this COVID-19. However, I mean, what kind of life is that? What kind of life is worth hanging on to if if you're living under the boot of a tyrant? And I'm curious, uh, why do you think that more people don't have the fire of liberty burning in their stomach? Because I, again, Dr. Paul, I'm so impressed with you that, you know, you are every single day you're out there fighting and your staff and Chris and Daniel and these other people that you have in their show they're always out there fighting like they have an infinite amount of energy to, to fight this and press the words of liberty but where are our fellow countrymen out there why are they not standing with us what is wrong with them I'm just just trying to figure out I'm curious what you think well, once again, I think there's conditioning, social conditioning, the loss of, you know, the family values and all. But I also think it's a reflection of uh, deterioration in our educational system, which is a lot longer than 1960s. I mean, it's 100 years of this progressivism. And then this indoctrination of uh, sanctifying and making it holy that if you sacrifice your life, especially if it's a military life, this superior uh, attitude that if you've served uh, or you were killed or something, this is the ultimate sacrifice, and all they do is praise it. This came up in the presidential campaign, and I had to address it. But it's tragic. It's sad. But uh, it, it, it isn't like uh, like there's something very special about it. People, I think they're taught this mainly to make sure that people see the military as a higher order because, uh, oh, yes, uh, and, and parents do it. They, ha- they, can't, they don't know what to hang on to. Uh, that they they will live with this, you know. They say, well, he he, I had to allow him to do that, and he was sacrificed for a good cause, and this sort of thing.
same. So it's really sad and goes back to the uh, the philosophy of, of liberty and uh, what, what the role of government ought to be. <clears throat> but during the campaigns, when I talked to a lot of college kids, uh, they, they received my one line, I would say frequently, that you never have to sacrifice any uh, liberty uh, for safety. And this is the whole thing that people, like after 9-11, people would just, uh, just you know, be very uh, adamant. Oh, they'd tell me to my face, Ron, under these conditions, this is different. We have to be made safe. Uh, of course, yeah, the the uh, TSA makes me feel a lot safer than Jeez. ever. <laughs> and, and they're always going to make us safe. No, you can't look for safety and security. And, of course, the founders understood that because you do that only with the sacrifice of liberty. But you've got to understand and consider liberty an important issue. And Dr. Paul? You've been so far ahead of the curve when it comes to monetary policy and anticipating uh, the collapse of the, the U.S. monetary system. And I've been following you, and I've listened to Peter Schiff, and I've listened to other individuals about this, and I'm trying to gauge about whether or not this grand collapse of the fiat currency is predetermined, if it is anticipated, if the deep state actually, is, if that is part of their plan, Based on what you see, based on what you observe, are you seeing or sensing that this is going to happen as a result of just uh, people not paying attention because then they're not really smart? Or is this part of a greater sinister plan to move, up from, move us from one system to another? And if it's Probably a latter, little bit. Yeah, what probably a little bit. Yeah, it's probably a little bit of each. I think the Marxists, the economic and cultural Marxists, they have a strategy and a plan, and this is what you have to do. You got to create chaos, and then we walk in uh, and we take over. But then there's also there's a conspiracy of uh, bad uh, economic policies and a bad understanding of liberty, and it always ends up the way we're we're moving in that direction right now, of of course. So it. If you have a hundred years of conditioning gradually and incessantly of uh, dictating to us that fiat money is a saving grace, that deficits don't matter, and printing money is fine, and uh, people are indoctrinated, uh, I don't think many of them, uh, well, the ones that are waking up know they have to protect themselves, but they don't look at it as if, uh, you know, I got, a, I got a glimpse at the book, and we know who's really in charge of this, and they have picked. Uh, you know, 2030 for the end of this. No, I think some of these events uh, are uh, predictable events, but I don't uh, pretend that uh, I know or anybody knows, and I don't even think the people who like this, they want to keep it going other than the Marxists who, you know, want to destroy everything. But the others who are engaged in it, you know, the average businessman and banker and all this, they just want to understand it and they know uh, that uh, they can benefit by it if they understand it. And and we're getting closer to the point, where do you go once you get the interest rate on the <laughs> negative? You know, in, in the beginning when the recessions were, were required, you know, and the markets were saying, you've gone a little bit too far, uh, you know, you could expect the interest rates to bump up and there'd be a correction in a recession. I think we're past that point. So that's why most people now are realizing that we're getting close to the end stage. But I don't think it needs uh, I, I don't think there's 12 people who meet together and have picked a date uh, I think what they do is they know when there's a crisis that hits 
they know exactly what they're going to do. I'll bet they have plenty of plans of that, and I'll bet you know uh, they know that uh, they'll be they'll be in, they'll be very interested in holding gold, which they probably do already. The ones who orchestrated all this, and they also they also know a lot. What we know, we know that sound money is important, and all the breakdowns of monetary systems in the past have only been totally resolved when it comes around to a necessity uh, is by getting rid of the fiat money. And uh, so I I think there's a conspiracy with bad economic policies and bad understanding, lack of interest in liberty, too easy to sacrifice your liberty. All these things add up to a point where most people with a little little common sense realize that uh, we're getting close to an end of this. Yes, I wish we had more. I wish we had more people that are really passionate about it because liberty, I think, is, is wonderful and amazing, and it, it, I mean, it benefits everyone. It's just, it's, it benefits everyone. Uh, I was talking to my father yesterday, and we were talking about how far the Americans, the American people can be pushed. And every single day, I, I turn on the news, and it's as if governors across the U.S., at least in my state, too, are are pushing sanctions on people they're 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 saying businesses can shut down they're shutting down this and they they keep on depriving people liberty and i'm surprised there hasn't been a more forceful uh, pushback yet i just don't i mean i see some people you know not following laws but i don't see a concerted centralized effort on, on all these states of people pushing back so i'm curious do you are you surprised about that what do you think is if, the, if people haven't pushed back by now do you think they'll ever push back and if so, what do you think is, is the is the line that will finally cause people to resist this uh, homegrown tyranny that is appearing to be uh, growing more? It's it's hard to say, but I have to recognize that that uh, is a big problem, and that's why I do what I do and you do what you do, because it's information to get people to know and get people to understand what is necessary. I don't uh, – I tell people that I just don't think that uh, – if uh, we pick away and get 10 new congressmen every year, every election for a while, that all of a sudden they'll start voting right now. I, I don't think anything like that is going to happen. You'll get some people that are good people, and I think it's good to have people there, but uh, that's uh, that's not going to be it. The whole thing is going to come down, and then the big thing is, is, uh, is, is there a remnant? I don't worry about how many people, but I, I do worry about the remnant, uh, the ones that have existed and the ones that have joined the remnant too, and uh, that means uh, if they have a spiritual, uh, you know, uh, interest as well as an economic issue, which comes close together because spiritually is the way you understand what liberty is all about, that uh, that you can do it. If you look at it, you don't get discouraged. You say, "How am I going to get 51 percent of the Congress to vote for this?" You can't. You can't do that because the founders worked on the, uh, you know, the assumption. That uh, they were pretty pragmatic. Uh, they knew uh, the, the knowledge was there that you needed about seven or eight percent of the people in in the uh, leadership positions, people who who uh, were thought leaders uh, that had this idea about uh, freedom that finally ended up in our constitution. So, uh, and that's that's our goal, and that's of course why I have I do what I do, and that's why Lou Rockwell does what he does with with the. Uh, uh, Mises Institute, and it's changing people's ideas, and uh, I, re- I really believe in that, and ideas have consequences, and you can't stop them once those ideas are breaking forth, but you say, well, when you sort of, when's this going to happen? And I don't think you know exactly happened. I don't I don't think we're quite there yet, but uh, today we cited what there's, what's going on in Kentucky. People just said, 
don't tell us we have to wear these masks. We want to, <laughs> it's our right to have some fun, you know. I'm an American, you know. But uh, they live in a state where they have a, a governor that is not very helpful to them. But, uh, no, I think uh, homeschoolers, and I think a lot of homeschooling, you know, I think the homeschoolers uh, run our town here. They stand up uh, and they go and they very, very politely stand up and, and say that I'm not going to do this. Uh, but then the next time you hear the governor said this and everybody's there. And then the, yesterday Walmart said, we're going to require a mask in every store we have in the whole country. Uh, you wonder what's the matter with these people? Do, do they really believe it's worthwhile? Why are they doing this? So sometimes we want somebody to stand up and say, that has a significant co- a company and say, look, we're open for business and if you want to wear a mask, uh, go somewhere else or something. You don't have to have a mask to come in here, you know. But uh, right now, the the spirit uh, needs a little boosting. But I think it's growing. I think compared to when I went into office in 1976, uh, there's a lot more understanding of what's going on. The Federal Reserve was an issue I started with when uh, when the uh, Bretton Woods broke down in 19. 19- 71. But I think now a lot of people, you know, have written about their stories. I think there are people even on regular TV talk about, you know, they're they're at a point where, you know, how can, can you really operate with negative interest rates? It doesn't seem to make any it's sense. Logical. I, I guess people are accepting it. They just accepting it. <laughs> yeah, but the average person, what they're the average person, unfortunately, um, you know, as soon as this thing hit. Which, uh, if they, if the government hadn't done it, would been temporarily would be, would have gotten in a lot worse shape when they sent everybody, a, you know, a check, and it wasn't six hundred dollars. Two people sometimes got it. It was equivalent to like forty eight thousand dollars a year, and that tied them over three for three months. And now those checks are running out. So uh, yes, they're more they're more wondering if if you just, if you tried to rally the troops and the average person, they're not going to say. Yeah, I'm exhausted from this. This is wrong. What we need to do is ask Dr. Paul what the monetary system should look like. No, they just said, send more money. <laughs> and that, that's the one thing about monetary crisis, whether it's deflation or inflation, the, the complaint is always, I don't have enough money. And uh, really what they don't have enough of is purchasing power. <laughs> but they'll, they'll, they're going to have a lot of Federal Reserve notes, but they're not going to – it's not going to work. You know, uh, we'll probably see that happens when the big crisis happens. Dr. Ron Paul, great honor to have you with us today. Once again, up here on our show, there's two different websites for Dr. Paul. One of them is called the ronpaulinstitute.org, and the other one is called ronpaullibertyreport.com. Every day, you can watch uh, Dr. Paul, Daniel McAdams, and then Chris Rosini on Fridays do his show. You can also make a donation to the Dr. Ron Paul Institute because it is an organization out there that is fighting for our freedom. And Dr. Paul, I just want to say that on behalf of myself and all these other people who are fighting for freedom, thank you so much for being such a shining example. It's not just the fact that you are out there fighting for liberty, but you are very kind, very compassionate. You're always pushing for peace, and that is such an admirable quality. And I can't say how many people respect you and uh, follow that guy. So thank you for setting an awesome example and being a light in a dark period of time. Thank you, Ryan. Nice to be with you today. Thank you, too. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Special thanks to our honored guest, Dr. Ron Paul. 
And special thanks as always to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Constance Dallas, and Ms. Lisa McGarry. And special thanks as well to our associate producer, Ms. Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com.